0: Get used to the mantra, all gas, no break.
1: We're going to find passionate people that love the game of football, that they hate losing more than they love winning. In
0: the home of the Jets!
2: Draft week is finally here. What has been a very long process for Jet fans, a long offseason that started in about week two of the NFL season. We made it. It's draft week and no better person to bring on for our big draft show than our friend Connor Livesey. Connor, feels like just yesterday you were here with us. What's going on, (laughs) my man?
0: Yeah, it it does, doesn't it? It it felt like just a few weeks ago we were on talking about, you know, some of these guys in the second, third round, and now we're we're getting ready to kick it off and, and get going. So, it's, it's crazy to think that was, I don't know how long ago, but it feels like it was just a few days ago. But, yeah, we're we're excited to get going and uh, excited to get this weekend over with.
2: <laughs> well, Connor, um, first of all, before we get into the draft and all that good stuff, where can we find your draft guide? Because that's what the overall essence of the show is. Where can fans buy it? What does it entail? Give all that information before we get started.
0: Just go to my Twitter account, which is at connor spelled c-o-n-n-o-r n-f-l draft and i have a pinned tweet up there with all the details it's five bucks uh you just finmo me paypal cash app whatever and then just send me an email address uh dm me or put it in the however you're going to purchase it you can just put in the comments of that um and i'll email you a pdf copy of it it's like 130 some pages um 100 reports uh, on my top 100, and I added in some additional reports as well. Some like my favorite guys, like on day three, um, that might not go in that top 100 range, but still guys that I really like. Uh, it's got a top 250 big board of the 200. I watched probably 279 players, I think, but I only graded out 250. Um and there's still some guys that I'm still watching that I that I that would probably be included in that that I didn't get to put in there before the guide, but uh, I'm going to talk about them this week too on the Twitter account. So just give me a follow here, um, and then you'll see the info where to get the guide. It's it's five bucks, and I think it you know it'll give you a good idea. Some of these guys in the top 100 give you some names to look at outside of the top 100. Um, and then it, it's, I got a, I got a mock draft in there. I got a bunch of sleeper guys that I, that I think are going to go on day three who I think can make some big impacts in the league. So it's pretty good wealth of information for, for just five bucks, I would think. But I, I guess I am a little biased.
2: <laughs> All right. So the way this uh, show will go, position by position for what the Jets need. We don't want to take up a whole boatload of your time. We know you have a, a lot going on in your own no, personal life. So let's start off with the quarterbacks shall we so my big thing with your quarterback rankings I thought obviously you know a lot more than any of us do there was a notable omission of two games for Justin Fields I didn't see Northwestern on there and I didn't see Indiana like was there like because it says games watch I didn't see Uh, Northwestern so those were his two worst games so was there a reason why you didn't did you I'm sure you probably watched them live or like what was what was the story behind there?
0: So with the game when I when I put in there which games I've actually watched, um, I I, put, I watch more than that, obviously, because I'm watching other players, I'm watching Trey Sermon, I'm watching Wyatt Davis. Those are the games I evaluated of Fields, and I watched Northwestern and I watched Indiana, and I don't think he was bad in either one of those games. I think, like you said, those were probably his two worst games, but it wasn't anything that was like, Oh, this is a horrendous game for Justin Fields. It just wasn't the high level. Game that you saw, you know, from the play playoffs where he went against Clemson and out-dueled Trevor Lawrence. It wasn't that. Um, and again, like for me, like I pick normally pick for quarterbacks, especially top end of the draft quarterbacks. I normally try to watch six to eight games um, from different years. And I think for Fields, I ended up with one, two, three, four, five, six games total from 2019 and 2020. Um, obviously, 2019 was his first time really getting a, a chance to start. Um, For some of the guys who started for three years at a school, you know, I'll watch even more, but for him, I just picked six games. Um, And I normally either try to watch them in order or I try to watch them in the order I get them in um, or the order I'll try to pick, you know, one in the beginning of the year, two in the middle of the year, two at the end of the year, and then two from a previous year. So it's just the games I actually evaluated of him. But like I said, I would have watched probably, probably every game he played in with sermon also getting evaluated with Wyatt Davis, with some of those other guys on offense who are who coming out this year. And I actually watched a lot of Chris Olave because I thought he was going to come out in the draft too. So in the end of the, at the end of the day, I probably watched 13 or 14 of Justin Fields' games. It's just those are the ones I dialed, on, dialed in on when I did his notes and did his report. I just don't like picking and choosing from multiple games because I like to lock in on the guy and watch him, um, that one player during the games I watch, if that makes sense.
2: <laughs> yeah, Definitely.
1: Hey, uh, thanks, Connor. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, there's a report that the 49ers are looking at either Trey Lance or Mac Jones at three. I don't know if you saw that. Um, obviously, your second rated guy is Justin Fields. Why do you think so many teams have Justin Fields um, dropped on their on their boards?
0: I truly don't know. Um, I, I, I don't um, – there's no off the field there. You know, there's no – I just don't know what you're questioning with Justin Fields. Like, yeah, he's – you know, people will say he's like, oh, if, if his first read's not there, then he struggles, which I didn't see that on tape. Like, he throws to his first read a lot. So do a lot of quarterbacks who have really good offenses, really good protection, you know, really good receivers, like he does with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Um, so I, I just don't think that's something you can knock a guy on. Like, if it if it's hurting him, you know, if he's just locking in on a guy and throwing into tight coverage and throwing picks and, and, and not making good reads – then I can understand it, but for him, like, he's a guy that that would go through progressions when he had to, but he he wasn't a guy that took chances. He wasn't a guy that consistently threw into coverage by locking onto that first read, so I didn't see it as an issue. Um, you know, I mean, again, like, the report came out last week that he kind of was was dealing with the medical issue where he kind of has a seizure background. Um, maybe that has something to do with it, but, I mean, that that can't be you know, Mac Jones apparently, you know, has one confirmed DUI and then another DUI that a lot of people talk about, but it can't be confirmed in any way, probably because Alabama kind of gets some of that stuff covered up being as, you know, big time program as they are. So it just, I don't understand it. You know, I can understand it with Trey Lance because he's only played in. 11, 12 games, whatever it is. He's never thrown over 30 pass attempts in a game. But for Justin Fields, a guy who played at one of the biggest and best programs in the country, Uh, he's young, he's got superb arm talent, he's a great athlete, he has zero off the field. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I get maybe going with wanting to go with the upside with Wilson, so I can understand that, you know, preferring Wilson over fields. But there is no way – Justin Fields should be the fourth or the fifth quarterback drafted in this draft class. But
2: maybe the throwing mechanics, yeah, is that a big concern for you? Because for I, me, it looks very long. It needs to be cleaned up, in my humble opinion. You could disagree with me. But to me, Mac Jones is a little bit more ready to play than Justin Fields right now. And that's kind of what the Niners need, no?
0: see, I wouldn't say – I know a lot of people question his throwing motion because they do say it's a little long and labored. Um, but I think when you look at him compared to the other quarterbacks, it's nothing dramatic. And I think th- like, and a lot of people pick at throwing motions, like it's something over the years, you know, people looked at Mahomes' throwing motion a lot and kind of dug into that a little bit. Cause it's unorthodox. It's not your normal, quick, you know, get the ball out throwing motion. But I think for fields, I just think he's a guy that he's still so young, you know, he, he's played, He didn't play at Georgia. He's played two years of college football and two really good years of college football at Ohio State. So, for me, like, I think – I think outside of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields would be, as he is, my quarterback too. I just think he's – He's a guy who's ready to step in and play. He doesn't make that big mistake. I know in the Northwestern uh, game, in the Indiana game, he did throw you know uh, an interception here and there, um, which is going to happen. You know, you're not going to have a guy who just doesn't turn the ball over, but he did it at a, a really good rate at Ohio State. So for me, I just think Fields, while he does have parts of his game that you want to see cleaned up, you know, as you were mentioned, maybe tightening up that throwing motion, get the ball out just a, a tad quicker and maybe developing how quick he goes through his progressions. I just think he's a safe pick. He's got the ceiling that you want for in the quarter uh, for, for that quarterback position. And then the athleticism that I feel like people just don't talk about enough, like he's a freak athlete for the quarterback position. And with so many offenses looking to get their quarterbacks, you know, out of pressure, out of the pocket, on the run, throwing on the run, throwing from different uh, platforms, I think he can do all that uh, with the best of them. So I really don't, you know, to answer answer the question, I, I I don't think, you know, the first question, I don't know why teams are kind of picking holes in the guy, especially when you're putting a guy like Mac Jones and Trey Lance, who I still like, but I just can't see how teams can view those guys better than better than fields and then to to answer your question while I do think you know Mac Jones is probably you know he's got a real safe style of play to his you know bus driver you kind of call him a bus driver I know that's been talked about a lot I just think Mac Jones had a perfect situation with with his situation in Alabama this year he had one of the best offensive coordinators if not the best offensive coordinator in college football he had a really strong defense you know one of the best head coaches in the history of college football Devontae Smith Jalen Waddell Two, two other receivers there who are probably going to get picked in the you know top thirty two in the next year or two, great offensive line, great running back, so it 's just you have so many positives for for Mac Jones that while it looks like he had that you know he did have a tremendous year at Alabama, they won the national championship, put up insane numbers. I would still feel better going with justin fields um, and, and i 'm so interested to see what San Francisco does with that pick because. As smart as Kyle Shanahan is, is a head coach, offensive mind, it would just baffle me to see them pick Mac Jones over Fields or Trey Lance for that matter.
3: Yeah. So it's no secret the Jets are definitely picking number two <laughs> come Thursday night, and I love how you called him a wild ass as you did when you yeah. beat him on last time. So that could be seen as a good and bad thing. Uh, Jets fans would like to think of it as a good thing, but talk about some of the things that Jets fans – could see from Zach that may be bad during his rookie year
0: as I said he's he's kind of a wild ass um, I think that's the first line I have in his report is he's a wild ass um, certified and, and again like the thing is is like he has an insanely high ceiling he has you know I, I heard someone today I can't remember but they called him the Mahomes Mormon like that's kind of like the ceiling that he has like that ability to make the throws off platform to get in and out of the pocket. And that's one of my biggest struggles with him is he is so early to leave a clean pocket. And while that can produce big style of plays, it can produce a big play, you can get guys behind the corners. It's just not something you wanna consistently do in the NFL when you got, you know, these twitched up defensive ends, outside linebackers rushing off the edge, and you leave a clean pocket for those guys to just rush you to the sideline and force, you know, off balance throws, something he does real well that just bodes really poorly for a young guy who might struggle seeing the field. And again, he played at BYU. So he's not used to these sec, you know, corners, these, these four, three, four, four athletes consistently locking down guys in man coverage and zone coverage. So that's my biggest issue with him is I think he's way too quick to leave clean pockets And then I just wonder as a processor and as a decision maker, if he'll be able to maybe clean up, you know, like he did at BYU, gets out of those pockets, makes a good throw. Will he be able to make those region throws against corners who were more athletic, more instinctive in the NFL than, than he saw at BYU. And then my second thing with him is, you know, he'd never faced, you know, these big-time defenses. I know he went up against Coastal Carolina this year, and that was probably, it wasn't bad by him. It's kind of like Justin Fields' Northwestern game. You know, he plays a good defense. It just doesn't put up the numbers or, or put up the tape that you really wanted to see against, you know, a top-rated defense. So that's the only thing with me, with him, is like, he's so wild that playing at a smaller school like BYU, I wonder how the the traits and the instincts are going to transfer against NFL athletes and NFL coverage. And then the other thing, as I said, is just like the, the, the good defenses, those, those top-ranked defenses that he did face, he did seem to struggle a little bit more. So that kind of gives you a taste of what you might see in the NFL.
2: I heard Mahomes, and I just kind of blacked out for a second <laughs> there. <laughs> Not going to lie, Connor. So I'm, that it, definitely it, gets me excited.
0: It is kind of weird, like – I know you guys, are, you guys are all Jets fans, but it's, like, kind of crazy how, you know, like the, the, the 49ers are kind of getting killed for, like, wanting Mac Jones or wanting Trey Lance, maybe wanting Justin Fields. Like, but no one's really saying that about the Jets. I mean, maybe they are, and I'm just not as plugged in with the Jets. But, like, are people questioning Zach Wilson, like, much at all right now? Or is it, or is it, is it like, oh, this guy's the Jets and he's going to be great?
2: I would say our listeners are very pro-Wilson.
0: Right. It seems like nationally that's the thing too. Like you think there would be more people that'd be like, is Wilson really the, you know, the for sure answer for the Jets at two? But I was
2: I was the same way. Like when right. Sean brought him to my attention during the actual college football season, I gotta admit, I didn't watch much BYU during the year. Right. All right. So I kind of scoffed at it and then I started watching a little bit more and I saw him play against UCF. I go, All right then, maybe right. We could have something there. But I would say our, our listener population is very Wilson, more so than Fields. I think these guys would agree. Um, before we get on to other positions, I'm sure we have tons more to ask Connor. So many needs on this football team. We have a fan question, okay? So one of our fans and loyal listeners of the show, uh, John, he is a big Kyle Trash guy. He thinks Kyle Trask is the hidden gem of this draft. So let's get on into it, Connor. So John asked, Kyle Trask, where, when, and why not the Jets? So the floor is yours there.
0: So, so is he saying go Trask over Wilson? Like he, is that, is we, it, or is he saying like draft Wilson and, and then draft Trask later?
2: We had him on a couple of weeks ago. I was going through the death strand of my COVID vaccine while I heard all of this, and he was saying – that they should have kept Sam Darnold and traded down and still drafted Kyle Trask in like the third or fourth round, I guess, whatever mid round pick. So now he's still saying that they should, they should <laughs> trade down from two and still draft Kyle Trask. Like that's his preferred avenue. So what, what about Kyle Trask? Is it that you have him so low in your rankings and uh, yeah. Go my, ahead, right. Connor.
0: So here Here's my thing is I don't put value on positions when I'm grading these guys. Like I grade them off of, I have traits, I have like traits for each position that I look for. I have a numerical scale that I put them into. I put those numbers no, numbers in, I generate a number. That's how I do my grades. So like just because he's a quarterback, like you know, my quarterback rankings aren't because they're quarterback value. Like that's why Mac Jones is 75th. Like he's not a top, top first-round player for me because just because he's a quarterback. Same thing goes for running backs, even though I don't value running backs whatsoever. Like if a dude is coming out as a rookie and he's a baller, he's still going to have a good grade because I don't mind drafting running backs. It's just, you shouldn't pay them after their, their rookie deal. So if you can get four or five years out of uh, Najee Harris or Travis Etienne or whatever that back is like, do it. But for me, Kyle Trask is, he's a fifth round guy. Um, you know, he had some good games at Florida. I just think he's a career backup. And if you're drafting a guy in the top, let's say 50 where he's pr- got a really good chance of going like I think there could be a team that misses out on one of those big five you know the Saints something like that they might want to trade up trade back out of one and draft their you know quarterback of the future like I'm just not taking a guy that either one his ceiling to me is like a career backup uh, you know with a premium pick because my goal is for him to never play a game in the sport so that's just not what I want to spend a valuable pick on. But I, mean, I think Kyle Trask has traits that you like. It's just the consistency and the ability to put it all together. Like the arm talent's there. His touch is good. Like his deep ball is one of the better ones in the class. But he's another guy that I was talking about, like with Mac Jones, is like he has to have a lot of things go right for him to play at a high level. Like he has to have the receivers. He has to have the blocking. He has to have the coordinator. And he didn't have the coordinator at Florida, Um, but I think he has to, if he went to the perfect fit, which no offense guys, but I don't think that's the jets, but you know, if he went to a perfect team that, you know, the saints, let's just say who have the receivers, they have the line, they have the runner, they have the good offensive line. Like I could see Kyle Trask, you know, being a Andy Dalton, you know, style of quarterback, but I just don't know if he'll ever be anything more than that, you know, should be a backup, but could maybe start and win you you know five games a year consistently, so that's kind of where I'm at with him
1: well let's let's hope uh, we don't draft a guy too that's a career backup <laughs> <laughs> but um moving on to old line um I think we all know the jets need help on the interior they're probably going to target more athletic guys for their scheme um. Do you think there's much of a drop off between, let's say, like a Tevin Jenkins or a Elijah Vera Tucker if they both end up in the interior?
0: No. Um, that's the thing with Tevin Jenkins is like he just doesn't have the arm length that teams look for. Like Arm length is important for tackles, but can you play? Like, I'm not drafting you because your arms are long. Like, if you could figure out a way to make it work, like, there's so many guys in the league who, who have success without having elite that that elite arm length. And then the other thing with Tevin Jenkins is he's he's a he's only played right tackle at you know Oklahoma State. So like, you're not going to draft him to play left tackle, which a lot of teams. And again, nowadays it really doesn't matter. Like the right tackle is just as important as the left tackle, I think, uh, in my opinion, nowadays, because of so many good edge rushers playing on the, the left side of the, the defense. So for me, you know, those guys are graded pretty closely. I like Elijah Tucker a lot. I remember I talked about him a lot with you guys the first time. Like, he's a guy who played left tackle for USC last year. Um, he's probably going to move inside the guard just because of the lack of ideal, you know, tackle traits. But, you know, I think I think Elijah Vera Tucker is going to end up getting drafted in the top 15. I think the Minnesota Vikings at 14 make a ton of sense. Um, I think if he falls to you guys at the end of the first round, that's a no brainer just because of his ability to play inside and out. But I like both of those guys a lot. I mean, it, it's, Tevin Jenkins tape is some of the most fun tackle tape in this class. Cause of how nasty he plays. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about that, that, you know, violent nature that the guys like Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater play with, but, but Tevin Jenkins is the meanest offensive lineman in this, in this draft, I think. Um, it's just, again, he's a right tackle. He's got short arms. You're, you're projecting him to probably move inside for some teams. Um, but those guys are graded very similar. I mean, I think any team at the back end of the first round or early second round that needs offensive tackle, you know, inside guard help who might, you know, to look to make that transition for some of these guys at tackle who might be better guards – Either one of those guys makes a ton of sense. I just think Vera Tucker, like I've heard from some people who said that Vera Tucker is a top-ranked offensive lineman over Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater for some teams. So I think he could get drafted a lot higher than a lot of people think.
3: Wow. wow. One of the most interesting players I came across in your draft guide was the uh, Division Three interior offensive lineman Quinn Miners, yeah, who had a great week at the Senior Bowl. He's seems like a Joe Douglas kind of guy he plays with a chip on his shoulder so what do you think about him
0: yeah i was you know obviously i only did a one round mock for for the draft guide but as i'm working through maybe you know doing a three or four round rock mock for every team uh quinn miners is a guy i always kind of target for the jets if they don't go vera tucker or something like that at 23 um They always, you know, kind of like the smaller school guys. I know they drafted Nathan Shepard pretty high a few years ago uh, from the Division II school. So, you know, I think Quinn Miners is a top 100 offensive lineman, interior guy, can play guard, can play center. Super – I mean, again, like we just talked about how nasty Tevin Jenkins plays. Miners is the same way. Uh, The only thing with Miners is like the few games that I did get to watch from him on tape, um, he just didn't dominate the division three competition, like you would hope to see, but then he went to the senior bowl and dominated the senior bowl. So it's always tough because you turn on some of these small school guys tape and you're like, I mean, are we really talking about those guys, you know, top 100 NFL player, but then you watch the senior bowl snaps and you're like, I mean, how can you not? He's he's playing, he's outdoing some of these best guys in the country. So for me, Miners is like the ideal, you know, late second, early third round guy for teams looking for that guard center. Um, probably best as a center just because of how athletic and strong he is, but he can play guard just fine. Um, And again, like I always root for the guys who don't play, you know, at Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia, whatever. Like I I love seeing the D2, D3 guys get in the league and, and have a successful career. So I think, you know, he'll probably be, I was talking with somebody the other day and they said, there's only been like one other division three player drafted, I think in the top 100 um, and I think he'll probably be the highest Division three player drafted, you know, probably probably ever. Um, but I haven't gone through the whole the whole NFL history to see when that guy was drafted. But I like Miners a lot. I think he's the ideal, you know, day two interior guy who's going to come in, you know. And, again, he might be a year away from making a big impact, but I think he's perfect for, for teams looking for that athletic interior offensive lineman.
2: Before we get into some fan questions about the offensive lineman, a guy that Jet fans and apparently the Jets are pretty smitten with is Creed Humphrey, the center from Oklahoma. Southpaw center, a little unorthodox. I don't think I've seen one in the NFL in quite some time. I could just be talking out of my ass there a little bit.
3: <laughs>
2: a lot of people have him mocked to the Jets at 34. Might not be there at 34. You have a second-round grade on him in your draft guide. Is it a reach at 23rd overall to draft Creed Humphrey if you really think he's your franchise center? and? Do you think he's just primarily a center or do you think he might need to start off at guard and then maybe make the switch to center?
0: No, I like Creed Humphrey a lot. I mean, he finished with a second round of grade for me, um, but, but still a player that I'm, I'm a big fan of. Um, I loved his career at Oklahoma. I wish Landon Dickerson was able to stay healthy at Alabama. Cause I would have loved to seen those guys kind of compete for that, you know, truly compete for that number one uh, center, center spot. But um, I, I think, you know, Creed Humphrey makes a ton of sense for the Jets at, I mean, 23 is maybe a little bit of a reach, but if you have a big need for that position and you, I mean, again, like the center, the center class, you know, you're looking at Quinn Miners, you're looking at guys like Landon Dickerson, you're looking at guys like Creed Humphrey. Like if you need a center and you're at 23 and Vera Tucker's gone, maybe Jenkins is even gone and you don't want to look at maybe the edge players or the receivers yet, or, you know, what other needs you have, like I'd be fine taking Creed Humphrey, uh, at 23, and obviously he can fall the way to 34. I'd love that too. Um, you know, again, my I think I had 19 first round grades and a couple one twos, and I think he was just outside. You know, first first portion of my second round grade So taking him at 23 or 34 is perfectly fine for me. And I think he he'd be a big time addition. Uh, for he's going to be good wherever he goes. I just I think he's he's a really solid overall player with good athleticism, good physical traits, and just a really intelligent football player too.
2: Okay, so our fan question, just really rapid fire. This one is about one of those small school products that you you like watching, and I'm sure you've probably seen a lot of this guy when you watch Trey Lance tape this year. Michael Christopher asked, how would you rank uh, Dylan Redunds in this draft class? Is he a reach at 34 overall?
0: That would be just a little bit of a reach for me. I'm pulling up mine to see exactly where I have him. Um, let's see, so for... Raiden's I I liked him a lot. Um, he was my 66th overall player, um, and it's just because his class is so deep at tackle. Like you have so many dudes at tackle, he cracked my top 10 tackles. Um, so it would be a little bit of a reach for me. I just I think that at times he played a little bit heavy footed. He didn't play up to his athleticism, um, but I, I really do like uh, the 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 traits there. I like the ceiling there with him. Um, I just wish he would play. He's six foot five, you know, three hundred five pounds. He's got the arm length. I just wish he would play up to his physical and athletic traits a little bit more, um, and then play a little bit stronger as well. He just doesn't play with that functional strength that you you look for as a you know primary tackle. Um, but I think he's got a lot of uh, intriguing traits. He finished with a 2-3 for me, um, so just a little bit lower on him. Um, but, but but again, it's mainly due to how deep this tackle class is. We haven't seen a tackle class as deep in a long, long time. Um, if a team in the mid-second round, you know, if the tackles go off the board and they take him in the mid-second round, that's not a bad pick by any means. Um, but But I would, you know, I would think he's got a, a – like we were talking about with minors, like he might need a year to fully develop to the NFL game uh, playing at a smaller school in North Dakota State. But but still like his traits, I still think that if he can add some mass to his frame and play with just better overall power and strength uh, as a pass rusher and run uh, run blocker, he'll, he'll have a really long career in the league.
1: Yeah, and sticking on the theme of smaller school guys, uh, one of your favorite sleepers, Jimmy Robinson, I saw he ran a Four two eight forty at the HBCU combine, um, and last played in twenty nineteen. I guess why is he one of your favorite sleepers? Um, and what do you like about his versatility?
0: Yeah, I mean he's a guy um, that you're you're looking at. I mean he's probably going to be more of a UDFA than than any, you know, he's probably not going to get drafted, but like you said, like I love his versatility. Um, and, and I just love his, like I said, his versatility his athleticism. Uh, you know, it pops. He obviously had a great pro day at the HBCU pro day. So Another small school guy, we talked about, you know, the the small school guys who play with that athleticism that just might need a year to develop. I think he fits into that kind of theme perfectly. Um, But, again, it's a UDFA guy that can come in. He can play multiple positions for you. Um, And then the athlete that he is, uh, he's he's got a lot of potential as well. And and that's the thing with these small school guys is a lot of the small school guys who just either, you know, for him he didn't play in 2020, you're looking at a guy who isn't going to come in and, like, start games for you right away but they have that James Robinson type of ability that we saw with like Jacksonville uh, last year. They, 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 draft the guy late, they bring him in as UDFA and then he plays, you know, a ton of stats for you as a running back. I, I don't know if he's that, but I think he's a guy that they could come in, you know, maybe, maybe he's a practice squad guy year one, he develops into something year two, but I think he's got, you know, the ability to play in the league. And for me, that's kind of what I'm looking at in these sleepers as guys who, Really don't get the name recognition, but they come in uh, as a day three or UDFA guy and they they iron out a six, seven, eight year long career in the league. And I think he's got that 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 ability, talent and athleticism to do so.
3: Yeah. So this is another year of uh, a very highly touted wide receiver class and guys like C.D. Lamb fell a bit last year, Denzel Mims fell a little bit. So are there any receivers you could see there being consistently mocked in the first that could fall to the second, maybe even late second.
0: That's a good question. Um, I mean, you you would think you would see some of those guys doing that just based off, just based off the you know what you just said. Like there's so many good ones that are teams going to go eh, let's let it stretch a little bit. Um, so for me, you know, you got a guy like Kadarius Tony out of Florida, who I know was often mocked into the first round um a lot early in this process I think he's a guy that probably falls a little bit out of that first round range Rondell Moore out of Purdue is another guy who I think has that first round talent um he ended up with a second round grade for me but he's got that first round talent and ability who's probably going to fall out of the second round and the one guy I'm interested to seeing what happens with is uh Terrence Marshall the LSU receiver who dominated in 2020 um really only one year of dominant production. But he apparently got flagged for a knee injury, uh, a knee issue injury, whatever you want to call it, at the the medical combine uh, that they do in Indianapolis that they do every year at the combine, but they didn't do it this year because they didn't have a combine, but he still went to Indy and uh, had his medicals checked. And apparently, you know, he got flagged for it by some teams. Um, So I'm interested to see if he ends up in the first round. But if he stays healthy and he can fall into the second round, I think Terrace Marshall has a, you know, a really good chance to be one of the top three or four receivers in this draft class because of his physical and athletic traits. Just now knowing that he's flagged for a knee, it's going to be about staying healthy and and allowing his athleticism to really play uh, in the NFL with, with a possible knee injury.
2: Connor. You are talking to arguably the chair of the Kadarius Tony fan club right here. We love <laughs> ourselves some Kadarius Tony. So we need a little bit more explanation on that of him falling out of the first round because I personally think he's a lock to go in the first round. He, to, again, you obviously watch a lot more than us, but just from the times I've seen Florida play, it's like there's Pitts and then there's that guy Tony making another play. Um so for about Tony and then another guy that I didn't even see in your top 10 who I personally love from the times I saw him this year is Dimey Brown from the University of North Carolina and somebody who I, I really respect Chris Sims is also very high on him.
0: So for Tony the the few things that I think he could fall out of the first round is he's 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 a slot um, you know, I think that's where he's going to make his living in the NFL. I don't know if he's got the the strength, the the play strength, or the size to really live on the outside consistently. Now, he might be able to go out there and do some of those things. Um, but his, he's, he's a little bit, you know, I'm not going to say, like I said, his functional strength isn't the best. So that's why he's probably going to play a slot. So a lot of teams might just not draft him in the first because he's going to be a primary slot. Do I agree with that? No, because the slot receiver position in the NFL is just as important now uh, as the boundary guys. But we know how the NFL can be dinosaurs about adapting to those things. Obviously, he's a great athlete. You see that on tape. His ability to change directions, his route running is uh, top notch. I love it, it. It's when I say his functional strength, I'm talking about his ability to kind of run through contact throughout his routes because after the catch he shows off good power he breaks tackles he's a tough guy to bring down but you'll see when he runs his routes when you're turning on the all 22 like when guys are physical with him at the top of routes or throughout the route stems obviously there's not a legal contact in college football so you can be a little bit more physical he struggles to kind of deal with that. That. So I think he's just going to have to improve his overall play strength throughout his route stems and coming in and out of his breaks because he's able to. He gets knocked off phase a lot. I think that that could be an issue with timing in the NFL. But he's a great athlete. Uh, he's a great route runner. I just think, like I said, if he can improve his overall strength, that that's one of the biggest issues. And I know some teams are are kind of worried about his off the field stuff. He doesn't have any off the field concerns, but I know he has a lot of other interests. Um, he's got a music background that, that I know a lot of people are not fond of, but. I don't care about that stuff. I'm not grading guys on what they do in their free time. I'm just grading their tape and their athleticism and how they play the game. So I know some teams, you know, will will not guys for having musical interests. You know, we've seen that with Kelvin Joseph and Jalen Phillips, you know, stuff like that. But but I think he's a guy that you get Kadarius Tony in the, the top 50, falls out the first round if you're able to get him in those, those you know, 34 for the Jets. If, if that's an option, uh, I'd be thrilled with that pick. Um, and then what was the second guy you asked me about?
2: Dimey Brown, just real quick, because yeah. he is, to me, he was a guy that stood out and he wasn't even in your top 10.
0: Yeah. Like it was tough. Cause when I watched North Carolina, I wanted to love his game. Um, you know, he's a vertical threat. I think that's where he's going to make most of his money in the league. Um, he's not a guy that's a great route runner. He's a guy that separates deep, but he didn't test well. And that's what kind of scares me with him because when I'm looking for a vertical threat, I'm looking for a guy that's a, you know, a burner a guy that's going to run through coverage, uh, run past coverage in the NFL. And he ran a four, four, six. So he's a four five guy. He's six, one, he's 190 pounds. So like, I just don't like his tape was good. I, I didn't mind his tape. Like I love his body control. I loved his ability to get behind the defense uh, at UNC. But for me, like, I just don't know if his size and then overall athleticism is is going to play as a you know, because he's he's so such raw. He's such a raw route runner. Like all you saw him really do at North Carolina was run go routes and run slants. So like when you're kind of limited to those two routes, at least from what I saw in college, like it's tough for me to project you to then go to the league and run a developed route tree where you're running, you know, seven, eight, nine different routes consistently and being able to put those routes together to sell other routes. Like I just didn't see a guy who, who I trusted to do that. But, again, like, you watch the tape, you see a guy that consistently separates. It's just a 4, four six scared me a little bit because I thought he would be a high 4-3, you know, 4-4 four, four flat guy. So, while it's not that big of a difference, like, we know these pro day numbers are boosted a little bit. So, he could be even more of a four five five, you know, guy. And then that's even more scary for me. So, guy I like, you know, he, he, I think he was my wide receiver 12, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so a guy that I like for sure, just uh, just his his pro day kind of scared me off. And then when I see how undeveloped his route tree is, that was a little bit concerning as well.
3: Yeah, so going over to defense defensive side of the ball for a little bit, uh, you have a fourth-round grade on Patrick Jones out of Pitt, who he put up the numbers in college. He had a successful college career. He, he's tough. He played through a full year with turf toe. And you compared him to – Demarcus Lawrence. So what do you see in his game?
0: I like Patrick Jones a lot. Um, He was actually the first guy I interviewed this, this draft season, but when you watch his tape, you see, he's not a great athlete. You can see that he's kind of stiff in the hips and the ankles, you know, his, his lower half is just pretty stiff, Uh, but he is a high effort player. Like he's going to play through the whistle A lot of his production came from just being that high effort player, you know, working to the quarterback, you know, as he gets out of the pocket, really getting off blocks after he was initially blocked off. Uh, But you like his size. He's got decent length, nothing to really, you know, wow over. But he's got, you know, almost 33-inch arms, 6'4", 260 pounds. So he's got good size. He's got decent length. Um, He's just not the most explosive guy. He's not the most athletic guy. And I wish he played stronger than his frame would suggest. Because for me, like – if you don't have that freaky athleticism and flexibility and bendability, like I need you to play with violent hands. I need you to play with great arm length. I need you to play with great leverage. And like, he's such a, he's a taller, you know, 6'4", 6'5", guy. So he doesn't play with the best pad level. And then he doesn't play with this, you know, abnormal amount of strength that you would want to see from a guy with that size. So for a guy who's, you know, he has a production, like you said, like one of the most productive pass rushers in college at Pitt you'd like to see him be dynamic either as a you know a strength player or dynamic as an athlete and he wasn't either one of those things that's kind of why I had him falling out on a third round because um, I initially had like a two three on him just based off the tape but then the testing you know kind of bumped him down a little bit and he didn't have a great senior bowl week either so just seeing him on the one-on-one reps and then seeing him in the team and you know th- those type of drills kind of didn't worry me but it, it had a negative impact on my overall grade on him then the testing was just so uh, it wasn't good he didn't test above the 50th percentile uh in any sort of athletic testing so the lack of explosion lack of strength and then lack of overall just flexibility and athleticism was a bit concerning with uh patrick jones as well
1: yeah this this question is um more for for jake but um, Cause Jake keeps telling me this guy's going to go in the first round. Uh, what do you see in Gregory Rousseau um, and why is he out of your uh, top 10? <laughs> just remind I just, us. I remember this one.
0: I just do not like Gregory. like, like, the, like people will say that people will say like, Oh, he's not, you know, a great football player right now. He's a project, but he's, you know, super long. He's super strong and all that thing. And like, he is long and he's tall. But that's it. Like, he doesn't play with any of the explosion. He's not very quick. His, you know, he ran a seven, five, three cone. Like, the lack of flexibility and bend is just horrible. I just, I mean, he's a day three player on tape to me, and he didn't test well. So, like, that's not going to help his grade. And he didn't play in 2020. So, that's not going to help his, you know, (laughs) it's not going to, I don't know. I, I just don't know what to do with him. Like, He's a big dude with decently long arms that doesn't play with power. He's not athletic and he didn't play with enough explosion for a six foot seven, 270 pound guy. But, like you said, some team might draft him in the first round based off he's six foot seven, 275 pounds, and he's got 34 inch arms. Would I want to be the one to draft him in the top 100? No, but I can see, you know, the dinosaur scout being like, oh, this guy looks the part, but God, his. He, he didn't finish with the lowest. I, so one of the things I do in my grading scale is I grade the production, like their sacks and their tackles for loss. I'll grade it to see how high quality it is. And, like, I don't think he had a high-quality production metric at all. Like, it was either – so, like, I'll explain that real quick. So I grade the guys on, like, if they have a sack and they're just left unblocked. Like, that's a low-quality production stat for me. So, like, I don't, like, grade that as an impact. Play because if you're left unblocked and you just you know get off the ball and sack the quarterback, like it's hard for me to be like, oh, that's you know a great sack. You know, not all sacks and tackles for loss are equal, so I try to separate those by valuing the production of them. Um, And he was towards the bottom of the list as far as the the high uh, high quality production stats go. Um, So while he did have a ton of production uh, at Miami, just none of it was like, oh, this guy's got great pass rush moves. He's got great explosion. He's got great twitch. Like A lot of his production was, you know, the quarterback taking bad sacks where three, four, five, six seconds into a play and he finally gets to him or stuff where he was left unblocked. There were sacks where I saw he beat offensive linemen where the offensive linemen just never fired their hands. And I was like, did that guy just let him sack the quarterback? I didn't understand some of his production because it was pretty subpar at best. So for me, I mean, again, I can understand a team taking him on day two. Uh, but for me, he's a you know third, fourth round player that you hope can eventually learn to play with better explosion and flexibility as a pass rusher.
2: I would projectile vomit if that was the Jets pick at twenty three. For no, the so, record,
0: so you weren't. So he was kidding. You don't like Gregory Russo. I don't like Gregory
2: <laughs> Russo at all, and I said I could. It would be typical Jets to take him at twenty three. Um, so a guy that I like, I know you like, and one of our good listeners and good friends Joe likes is Jamin Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky, really came out of nowhere on draft boards. And Joe was asking, and I am as well, because I personally like this guy a lot myself. Where do you see Jamin Davis fitting in with this Robert Solid defense? And do you think he's a lock to go in the first round? Because he's kind of all over the boards here. He's either a first round guy in like the middle or like a mid to late second round guy. This guy could first of all he could absolutely jump through the roof based off of the pro day testing. So take us through your love for Jamin Davis.
0: I think I put it in my report on Jamin Davis too, but I think he's one of the most impressive like athletes in this draft, like at any position. Because he's six foot four, he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, he's fast, he can cover, he can run, he can hit, like he can do literally everything. You've just only seen it for one year. And obviously coming from I say a small school is Kentucky, but not a guy who's known for just, you know, pumping dudes into the league. You're kind of wondering why couldn't that guy, you know, do more throughout his career in Kentucky? Um, so for me, you know, like he, his athletic traits are off the charts, his physical traits are off the charts. I think he's a guy that can cover. Um, his ball production was really good in 2020 as well. So like he could take he can turn the ball over, he can run sideline to sideline. He's pretty instinctive for a guy who hasn't played a ton of football and starts like seeing, you know, a ton of experience and seeing a ton of plays. So I think, I mean, for me, if I was a team at the back end of the first round, you know, it's hard for me to see him getting out of the first round just based off of his athleticism um, and his ability to be a 3 down player in the NFL. I don't want to compare him to Fred Warner because they're different. You know, like Fred Warner wasn't that freak athlete. You know, he's a good athlete. It, 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 uh, BYU but he wasn't a freak athlete so but I love Fred Warner coming out um but for me like I don't know I I can't think of a guy to even compare him to because he's so impressive physically and athletically but I think he'd make a ton of sense for the Jets you know Robert Sala loves his second level defenders uh like he did in you know in San Francisco so that would make a ton of sense at 23 or 34 I think he's 36 overall on my board so you know At 23, it's a little rich, but 34, it's like right there in the money zone for me. Um, I just think he's a dude that you can play at Mike, you can play at Will, you could probably even play him at Sam because of how physical and violent he plays at the point of attack. Um, And and again, like he's so tall and long that you wouldn't think he would be a good cover guy, but he's so smart in his zone drops. Like he had a few interceptions this year where he just dropped into zones and he's so long it's hard to kind of fit the ball around him when he does drop into zone. So I think he's a good like drop uh, player in zone coverage. I think he's got the athleticism to man up against tight ends and running backs. I just don't have a lot of holes in his game other than you only saw it for one year, um, which shouldn't be a reason you knock a guy. So that's why he's so high on my board. I I see some simulators have him as like going in the fourth round and stuff. And I'm like, there's no possible way that's going to happen.
3: Yeah, so going over to the cornerback position, which remains a huge need for the Jets, is someone like a Tyson Campbell a reach at 34 to you?
0: He's like 50-something on my board. Um, He's 51. Yeah, so, I mean, technically, yes, but not really. I mean, there's guy, like, you got to tell me who's, you know, I like him more than his teammate, Eric Stokes. Asante Samuel. I love Asante Samuel, so so I prefer to have Asante Samuel. But but it's it's you're, you're we're getting close to splitting hairs at that point. Um, you know, I think Asante Samuel's lack of height might push him to the inside. So if you're looking for a guy to live on the boundary and like have confidence in living on the boundary, you might prefer Tyson Campbell. Um, but I know I, I know a lot of people knock Tyson Campbell because he gave up you know a couple big plays in that Alabama game. The one he gave up to I want to say it was Jalen Waddell, it was offensive pass interference and they just didn't call it like I think it was Jalen Waddle I could be mistaken here but dude fully extended pushed him over you know at the top of the route and he fell over and the guy caught the ball and scored if it was Jalen Waddle so I don't really think the Alabama game was all that bad from Tyson Campbell I think he really did a good job of transitioning um, from a zone and man perspective uh, I think he's got really good intelligence um, his ball skills aren't good that's probably the biggest knock on him is he just doesn't play the ball like you'd want to from a you know corner trying to create turnovers But for me he's a scheme versatile guy he's got great size got great length he's a really good athlete for his size um, and I think the the strides he showed uh, at the end of the year last year for Georgia would make me feel really good about taking him you know I'm a big Cowboys guy as well like if he was the pick at 44 there's probably going to be better players graded there for me, but I would totally understand that because of the high upside and how important that position is. Um, but I really like Tyson Campbell. I know a lot of people kind of see him as like a third-round player, but I think he's a, you know, for sure, like mid-second-round grade for me and a guy that I like a lot more than than a lot of people out there.
1: Yeah, and you and you briefly mentioned Eric Stokes. Um, I think he's someone that could be a fit for this offense just based on – I mean, excuse me, defense uh, mm-hmm. for his, his athleticism. He can move around the field a little bit. Um, you know, what do you like about him? I know he was in your top 10, but you know, what is, what is your grade on him exactly?
0: So I know when I talk about Stokes and Campbell, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well you like Campbell more. So why don't you like Stokes? And it's, I do like Stokes. I just think Campbell's a little bit, um, you know, more fluid in his transitions. Like Stokes tested better than Campbell did, but I don't think that really shows up on tape. I think Campbell, given that he's a little bit bigger than Stokes test. And looks a little bit more fluid on the field than maybe the pro day numbers would suggest. I mean, I got uh, Stokes at 60th overall on my board, and Tyson Campbell is 51. So they're they're graded very closely. But both of those guys are really good athletes. They have great size. They're going to live on the outside. Stokes obviously had one of the best 40 yard dashes of this this uh, draft process. So he's got the long speed uh, to recover and run with those guys vertically. So either one of those guys, I don't think you can really go wrong with wrong with I just prefer Campbell just a little bit more because I think he played with a little bit more fluidity on tape than a guy like Stokes.
2: Connor just to go back to the offensive side a little bit one question that I feel like we ask ourselves all the time is who is that next Alvin Kamara who is that next day two three running back that you know, comes out of nowhere every year because they always say, Hey, don't draft the running back in the first round or the second round. It's not worth it. So who in your mind is that guy this year that, Hey, on day three, he's going to be that next superstar breakout guy that would thrive in this Mike LaFleur offense that the jets are implementing.
0: I think a guy like Kylan Hill out of Mississippi state can do some of that. You know, I don't know if it'll ever be Alvin Kamara, but it will be a guy that you can draft on day three, could start games for you could, could give you good production. Uh, but a guy I really like, just because you mentioned Alvin Kamara, I wanted to bring him up, is Demetric Felton out of UCLA. He's kind of the running back that also played wide receiver. Like, there's a projection of what he's going to do in the NFL. And that's kind of what Alvin Kamara was coming to the league. Like, I remember when he came out of the draft where people were like, is he going to play receiver? Is he going to play running back? Like, he did so much at Tennessee that they didn't know what he was going to do. Um, and I think that Demetric Felton is that same style of guy who has, you know, a good ability to impact the passing game. But, he, you know, he's good, good runner, good open field vision. Like, I think he can be that runner that can be a good pass catcher as well. So, Demetric Felton out of UCLA is a, a day three guy, in my opinion, who I think could be a really good, uh, you know, compliment or guy who could give you 12, 15 touches a game and, and really pick up good yards for you. Um, and he's not going to cost you, you know, that top 100 pick like you are saying. so Kylan Hill and Demetrik Felton are two names that I think make a ton of sense on day three. They could come in and, and really kind of maybe take over the the running back position for the Jets.
3: Yeah, and going over to the tight end position, you uh, mentioned a guy named Tommy Tremble. You have a fourth round grade on him and you compared him to a Kyle Juszczyk. And we're implementing the Shanahan offense and it's no secret how important a guy like that what's the 49ers so what could a guy like that be for the jets
0: yeah you know that's really it's funny because he's kind of a projection too because at notre dame he didn't catch a ton of balls you know he kind of played as like an h-back i think brevin jordan out of uh out of miami and then tommy trimbaugh out of notre dame makes so much sense for the jets if they're looking for that kind of kyle use check type of fit because brevin jordan did a ton of that same stuff at miami too you know blocking out of the backfield you know, running the ball out of the backfield, catching the ball out of the backfield. So Brevin Jordan and uh, Tommy Trimble are two guys who, you know, Trimble looks like Kyle Juszczyk when you watch him play. Like he's this big kind of like meathead looking dude. Like he's not super tall and lanky. He's kind of short and stocky, but he is just nasty, man. Like when you watch him at Notre Dame and you watch them run the football, like he loves making, like he loves clearing lanes for the runners at Notre Dame. And that's just something that always translates well to the, to the NFL. But, I think he showed growth as a receiver uh, in his final year at Notre Dame. He has some injury stuff there, too, that I think some teams are clearing him on. Uh, but his hands are, are are okay. I think that's probably his biggest thing is he kind of has those full back hands. You know, he's not a real easy, soft-handed pass catcher. He's kind of more of a get-out-there, stick-it. Um, so he might struggle with, you know, being that natural pass catcher at the catch point. But I think his route running improved. Um, I think he gets kind of in and out of his breaks with some more twitch than you'd think for a guy that look you know, looks like he does, where he's kind of big, you know, stocky type of dude, but he plays with some athleticism. Um, and I think he makes a ton of sense as that, you know, kind of H back tight end for you that can that can block out of the backfield, can catch out of the backfield, can run it out of the backfield, can do so many things for the offense like Kyle check did. Um, in San Fran but Brevin Jordan out of Miami is the other guy that I think kind of does a lot of that same stuff as well so you know a lot of people have Tommy Trimble as like a a second third round guy I just didn't quite see the receiving ability from him on tape like if you're making that projection I can see it but I just I didn't see that much of it to where I'm like oh I'm you know I'm not going to draft a fullback in the top 100 but if you tell me he's got a chance to be that you know ability to receive and be that H-back style of guy, then I can see it, but uh, just didn't do it a lot at Notre Dame, mainly because how they used him, so that's why he was a little bit further down my board than he might be on some others.
2: Connor, I think I speak for uh, my co-hosts here and all of our listeners. It's a real treat having you on, bro. Like, you are (laughs) very knowledgeable about the draft, and it definitely shows, and you worked your ass off, it looks like, on this draft guide, so As somebody that bought it, I know these two guys did as well. It's definitely worth it. Go out there, get your copy. It's not too late. The draft is on Thursday. It's a PDF file that you get emailed to. You You don't even need to print out all the pages. Follow it along. All draft weekend. Thank you, Connor, for that, and thank you for joining us, my friend. I hope to talk to you again soon, maybe after the draft. Who knows? If, yeah. If we're, if, we're, if we're feeling the uh, Jets draft, if we want to talk yeah, about
0: it? for For sure, you guys let me know. I mean, like I said, I'll, I I appreciate you guys supporting everything and, and love the work y'all are doing for the. You know, don't know many Jets fans down my way and on on online, but uh, they're always a team I like following along because they're always they always got a lot of draft picks. They're always drafting, you know, unfortunately pretty high. So it's always fun <laughs> to kind of see what they're gonna do. And I, I had a Jets fan the other day not happy with my Jalen Phillips pick. I was wondering if you guys were gonna bring that up, but uh, love him. Uh, I would, if I'm the Jets at 23 and Jalen Phillips falls in my lap, I'd be so happy for that one.
2: (laughs) Yeah. To me, it's funny while we're on the the subject, like, if he was healthy, I feel like last year he would have been the second edge rusher taken. I feel like him and Chase Young are kind of comparable. Like, obviously the medicals are a huge concern, but as a pure edge rusher to me, and obviously not a lot of tape either. I mean, he retired once and only played in a handful of games, it seemed like, in Miami, so while we're on the subject, yeah, we would love him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's just, like, for his – like, we were talking about uh, – I can't remember who we were talking about earlier, but, like, for – oh, uh So, we were talking about how he's so big and, like, looks physically imposing, but he doesn't always play up to that, like, size that he looks like. But, like, Jalen Phillips is strong. He's athletic. Like, he can play in a 3-4. He can play in a 4-3. Like, he can cover a little bit. Like, he could – I just think if he's healthy and, – and, again, like, I say – the good thing but like philip's injury stuff is concussions which obviously isn't good by any means but it's not like a you know knee injury or a back or something like that like just you know keeping himself clean not getting you know whacked in the head trying to keep his head you know neck area from from a lot of loud contact but if he can stay healthy you know i think he's got the only reason he's not my edge one is because of the medicals so i think that if you could get the best edge in this class you know on the field at 23 I'd be pumped for that
2: yeah sure all three of us would be as well Connor thanks again man like definitely hope to talk to you again soon of course as for everybody else we'll be back next week to recap it all and after the first round we will be here recapping Jets first round reaction you don't want to miss that after the second round on Friday we will be here Saturday over the weekend, we'll recap it as well as next week. Maybe we'll talk to our good friend Connor in the near future. We'll have to see there. But Jake, Lorenzo, Sean, bye bye.